Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cause if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me on the video? Oh no, did you see me on the video? Oh no So if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me on the video? Oh no, did you see me on the video? Oh no So if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go 21 seconds 21 seconds 21 seconds 21 seconds, 21 seconds. I'm here with Dan Joyce at the Gibson studio. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to them for letting us use the space. And thank you to Dan Cheers. for coming along. We're on the ginger ales. This is the only pop drink that Dan allows himself to drink. So he's, he's pushing the boat out today. <laughs> and what a delicious tipple it is. Fever treat. So Dan, the famous phrase goes that there are three sides really to every story, isn't there? There's that guy's side, that guy's side, and then the truth. Yeah. With Dirty Sanchez, of course, there's five sides because there's Pritchard Date and Pancho Yourself. And the truth. Yeah. I'm trying to complete the set and work my way through all four of you so I can get some sort of semblance of what went on. Because the story for me of Dirty Sanchez and you four guys is like the classic rock and roll story. Yeah. It's almost like you have the breakthrough, runaway success of the debut album, season one. It hits like a rocket, zoom, straight off. Fame comes into play. Then it's like the difficult second album with season two how can we replicate what we've done now we're kind of in the public eye and then of course with the movie i think that for me was such a definitive statement and you really took it as high and as far as you could take it with that and then you go out on the road and obviously when bands hit the road for extended periods of time that's when i guess the cracks start to form you start getting a bit on top of each other and then you go okay we need some space we need a break and then before you know it 10 years have gone by since you were all in a room together yeah mental um so I want to get your side of the Sanchez sort of huge arc of rise and fall. And where do we begin for you? Where do you come into the story? Do you meet Pritchard first, Dayton first? Well, it was back in the early 90s, really. Uh, skateboarding was much smaller than it is now. There was only a handful of skate parks. There was Mount Hawk in Cornwall. 
it was the South Bank in London, which isn't a skate park, but it was a place everyone gathered. Then there was St Albans, and there was Livingston up in Scotland, and Radlands in Northampton, and that was pretty much it, really. There wasn't there was a few little bits here and there, but they were the core skate parks. And whenever there was an event on, pretty much everyone who skated in the country all went to them. So you got to know the whole scene because they were always at the comps. Roughly how many people would you say was sort of in the scene around that time? It was really small. I mean, you say Northampton comp, it was a big warehouse. They had these comps and all the American pros would come over and pretty much the whole skate scene in the UK were in that building all at once because they'd all gone to watch the pros. So you got got to know everyone quite easily. And, you know, I got known for getting naked, really. And was that always there then early on? That was your... Well, no, it was, no, not really, just messing around. Trip. Yeah, like the, the odd Mooney here and there before it was full-blown nakedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Horsley, the guy who ran it, the editor of the mag at the time, he did this thing called Beat the Booze. So he made a just a stupid skate comp where you had to down a can of beer and then take your run. And then I think you had a teammate with you and then you'd come in at a pit stop or whatever and then you'd take have your beer <laughs> and then do your run. But And then you'd come in and it was, yeah, it just got ridiculous. And there was everyone was being sick and then doing their run and then skating through the sick and stuff. So that was like a bit of a legendary moment for skateboarding. And yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, I got known for messing around at these comps, and so did Pritch. And it was only, oh, yeah, and then what happened then? So I didn't really see anyone. Oh, that's what happened. I moved to Leeds. University or just? No, I went to uni in London, and uh, I got my grant money, and because you could get a grant back then. Yeah, I was the last year to get that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally. And then uh, I bought a video camera and just went down to South Bank and made skate videos with my camera and then unfortunately the camera got stolen so i uh i was i sort of lost enthusiasm after that so i was like right i'm gonna have to go back home went back home and someone said oh do you want a job in a skate shop in leeds i'm not doing anything else i might as well so i moved up to leeds yeah this was a bit of a turning point as well because i uh started skating up there and there was another park that had just opened called wakefield and they had big comps there and there was a big scene there and then i what happened then i had a girlfriend then and then after that i split up with her uh i discovered well my the the owner of the shop was a bit of a key figure in all this so his name was uh dicky what's his name richard his name now he run the skate shop and he uh, was friends with Dave Beer, and he uh, set up. He was doing the first Back to Basics with Dave Beer when it all started. So, I mean, this was a bit later than all of that. So this was ninety five or ninety six. So then Dave Beer used to come in the shop quite a lot, and I used to give him discount because he was friends with the owner. And this was when DC first started, so that he was really into his DC trainers. And he used to come in and then he used to give us free entry to all his clubs after that. So, and then after I split up with my girlfriend, I was like, all right, what are these drugs then? These E's, what do they do? <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, I can give you some if you want. I was like, all right then. And because he had them, and I just went 
full ball, really. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't just take one. <laughs> I took like four or five all at once. And they were much stronger back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. There it was, was a purer high as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but there were some really crazy ones knocking around. Like some that I went to, this was a bit of a turning point. I went, went to this uh, club, Orbit, in Morley. And because uh, the owner of my shop was friends with him as well. So we used to get his guest list for all these clubs. Went in there and someone had given me a pill and it was a black one. I've um, never seen one of them. No, I've never seen a black one either. <laughs> and I, I would never afterwards. Once you've had black, do you go back? Yeah, Not would, in this I, case. I wouldn't be. And well, someone said to me afterwards, oh, you should never take pills that are weird colour. And I was like, because they'll give you a weird experience. So I was like, all oh, right, okay. So uh, I had this black one and I was like, oh, yeah, this should be all right. And then all of a sudden, the whole dance floor turned into dust till dawn. Like vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this woman had this big tongue and it was flicking in my face like this. And I was, I couldn't get away from her. And then I ran off the dance floor into this like side bar room. And there was this bunch of witches on this table all around casting spells at me. And I was, I could feel the spells affecting me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever been to Orbit, but there's this walkway that goes around the outside. It's kind of like a grain silo. And this, I, did, I think it's like a tin walkway on the outside. And I ran out there, and they, I think it was a big fan in, in the walkway and on the top of these stairs. But to me, there were these two, they were black skeletons with dreadlocks flying a helicopter, like a Vietnam helicopter, firing this machine gun cannon. And I could hear the the bullets tinging off the side behind my head. And then I was on the floor, like... Some old... proper fear and loathing shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy I'd gone to this club with found me in the, on in this thing. I was like, are you all right? What's the matter? So I explained to him what was going on. He was like, oh, you've just taken a bad pill. I was like, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> oh, that's fine. As long as I now know. He, and he explained it to me that, you know, you're not seeing all these things. And I was like, oh, all right, that's fine then. So he's like, oh, I think we should get you out of here. So, so I said, oh, where should we go? He went, oh, we'll go to uh, Vague, which was this this uh, gay club in in Leeds. <laughs> or was it Speed Queen? That was what came later. It was around the time of the two different ones. So we ended up going there. And we got there and we sat down and there was a couple of trannies sat next to me and their boobs were like, pulsating <laughs> and like just like this yeah, yeah. box and bosoms and I was like what's going on there <laughs> and he was like oh this is this is not helping you either I'm going to have this to take this is worse yeah yeah we're going to have to go somewhere else he said oh there's this party going on I've heard about where uh, everything's blue so uh, we got to went to this blue party and was, everything was blue everyone was blue and uh in a house or a bar? Or? In a house, yeah, right. but like this big mansion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was some, I don't know, these gay guys' house, I don't know who it was. And there was all these guys, this was the sun was coming up by this time, outside. And I just went and started cartwheeling naked out in the garden with all these gay guys. And then uh, there was an incident with one of their dogs, I think, which I'm not <laughs> going to go into. And then I ended up waking up in this house. And they... People, oh, I got fed GHB as well at this party. Okay, yeah. Serious. Yeah. And then I think like the... the Knowingly parties, or unknowingly? 
I don't even know, yeah. And then uh, at this party, they I, I kind of got a bit of a reputation for being quite good fun when there was a party going on. So they used to just feed me drugs and I just... Unleash the beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I sort of disappeared off the skate scene for a while and then... And cultivated the Dan Joyce character we all know. And well, I, it ended up just going a bit Pete Tong in Leeds. So uh, I ended up losing my job and I didn't have any money. I got evicted from my house, so... I was like, phoned my mum up in tears one day, like, oh, I'm going to have to come home, I think. So uh, my she hired a car and my mates drove it up, picked all my stuff up and drove me back home. And what age are you at that point? Oh, this must have been 21, 22, I think. Yeah. I had a similar moment, not where I sort of got evicted, but I stayed in the town where I went to university for an extra year after I graduated to try and make something of myself down there. And after sort of eight months, I was just like, I'm just drunk every day and bored and lonely and this is crap so same deal mum i'm coming home so you go home and then what happens i think this was just before the breakup of the girlfriend i was hanging out with a load of skaters uh up there uh, matt matt harfield and cully they're all from accrington and one day we we thought it'd be funny to uh do the what's it called off uh team wolf where he's surfing on top of the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. we were Literally. like, yeah, let's give that a go. <laughs> so we climbed on top of this bus shelter and we'd rigged it so our mates would stand in the bus shelter and flag it. And then as the bus came in, they decided they were going to jump onto the bus so that they didn't notice I was jumping onto the roof. And we jumped onto the roof and we surfed this bus all the way from, uh, where were we living at the time? It was a good way out, near uh, Chapel Town all the way into town, <laughs> surfed at the fucking bus hell, the whole dude. way. But you couldn't single do that. Single decker or double decker? It was decker. a single decker single bus. Single decker, yeah, yeah. still fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of us was at the front and the other one was at the back and we just surfed it all the way into town. And like there were students there, like saw what we were doing and laughing and, way go on. But there wasn't any CCTV back then. Yeah, so or you, mobile phones. No, no, well, so you could get away with it, yeah. And the bus driver obviously didn't know what the hell was going on. When we got there, we just jumped off and we were off into town. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like one of those urban myth stories. Remember the dudes that surfed the bus? That never happened. That yeah, was yeah. Team Wolf. <laughs> no, that did happen. So, um, okay, so you're thrill-seeking, you're partying, having fun, getting naked, all of that's happening. You move back home. Is London home? No, so no, we- moved to Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah. So I went back so to way Cornwall. South. And then it was kind of, no one had seen me for like a year or so or two years it was quite a, a year was a long time back then because we were much younger yeah and uh horsley contacted me the editor of sidewalk magazine and was like where have you been what have you been doing so i told him on the phone he's like oh, i think we need to do an interview in the mag with you and find out what you've been up to so he did this little bit called uh working class hero oh that was it i was doing a bit of stand-up comedy in the local nightclub back then oh that was it i'd been on that was what happened so i went i came assumedly you haven't thought about a lot of this stuff in a long time no 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 just coming back to you now in the moment i came back home to cornwall and i wasn't working and i was on the dole and i was watching a lot of daytime tv as anyone does Yeah, yeah yeah and it was vanessa that was what it was back then so i thought, oh, there was this uh, ad on there at the end of the show. It said, right, do you think you're man enough to handle women like this? If so, give the show a call. Uh, and it, the title of the show was, uh, get out of my bed, I want a man from the med. It's about women <laughs> who wanted Mediterranean lovers. Yeah. So I was on there defending British blokes. Saying, on primetime TV? Yeah, yeah, Vanessa, yeah, yeah. yeah Vanessa Feltz. <laughs> so I went on there and I... Uh, 
I ended up winning the show and I got this gold pepper grinder. I won Euro Smoothie Award or something. And uh, so, yeah, a load of skaters saw that. And then that was when Horsley got in contact and was like, right, let's do this interview in the mag. So we talked about that and I was doing a bit of stand-up comedy at the time. Because you just pop up from out of nowhere on Vanessa and they're like, there, yeah, he, there is. he is. <laughs> so I wonder what he's been up to. That, that was what happened, yeah. So And part of the, one of the questions they asked me in this interview was, oh, well, it was the closing comment. Ben Powell did the uh, questions and he said, I think you and Pritch should get together and make a TV show. And that was, that was, must have been 90, or 96, 97. And then we got, and then Dayton contacted me around about 99, I think, or 2000, and said, oh, I'm going to make this video pitch of us, Dayton, do you want a part in it? And I was like, yeah, cool. So first time we got together was at NAS Festival, and he said, oh, what do you want to do? Do you want to do something? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come up for something. He said, what do you want to do? I was like, I'll shit off a roof if you want. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll find a roof. So we're going around Naz, we're in, in this car, like, well, that one, did, no, no, it's yeah. too big, yeah. And then, For that and light, we like, that tight. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's a good one. No, there's too many people around. And then we just found this, like, little porter cabin type thing. We're like, oh, there it is. Let's, let's get up there and got up and uh, crouched down. I'm like, you ready? You ready? Yeah, yeah, go. Go on then. And all of a sudden, this fucking cow pat just flew out <laughs> and it was like and then we just couldn't stop laughing we were rewinding it i think dayton ended up glitching the tape we were rewinding it so much and uh that was the first thing we filmed so then there was a bit of hype going around just from that a lot like, oh, have you seen what they did they filmed him shitting off a roof oh you gotta see it. it was hilarious so that sort of went around and then I was at, at the time I was, so yeah, this must have been on a few years past then because I was working in Plymouth then as a, I was working for ITV Digital. It was on digital at first and then uh, yeah, ITV Digital, I was a sales rep for them and I had this company car. So Pritch and Dame were like, right, we're going to make this video. So do you want to come and film with us? So every weekend I would just drive this company car up to Wales from London and, uh, they effectively paid for me to make the Pritch Lovers Dayton video. And every weekend we'd go off on missions somewhere different. I think we we spent a lot of time down in Newquay. Yeah. And uh, I think drugs appeared again, reared their ugly head. Because <laughs> yeah, Pritch and Dayton hadn't really done any drugs back then. It was all new to them. And I'd had this time in Leeds doing these E's. And they were like, oh, what's that like then? I was like, oh, brilliant check them out <laughs> so yeah we just got involved and was pancho on the scene at this point not did really he, come in later he, would, on? he would be occasionally but not really the main stuff with him i knew him from mount hawk and the skating days of northampton comps and i didn't really know him in a drinking and drug sense they had had a few trips with him to ireland where they got that footage of him but he wasn't really hanging around with us at the beginning not when we were getting up to our nonsense. He sort of appeared a bit later when we uh, did the deal with MTV and yeah. he was there. And they said, every bring the little guy. Event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because in the passengers clip, which I got to see after the, the tour that we just did, um, it's you three. And I mean, that was, I guess the sort of series of events was Pritchard versus Dayton had this huge groundswell of hype and buzz around it. And FHM and Sidewalk do print pieces on it, right? And then Channel 4 
decided to go to Newport, was it, and film the weekend with you basically just on the town, yeah. tearing it up. And then that goes out and then MTV see that. Is that how it all works? Yeah, MTV saw the Passengers show and then they called us in to do a show called uh, Shock Idol, mm-hmm. Finding Britain's Most Shocking People. We were like, well, it's not really our thing, but here's our video. Have a look, see what you think. <laughs> and then they called us up and were like, oh, we love your video. Do you want to come in and have another meeting? So we were like, yeah, right. And they were like, right, ditch that idea. It's shit. <laughs> we'll just do something about you guys. We found Britain's most shocking people already. Here we are. Yeah. And they obviously just give you some cash, put you in a house and yeah, say, we, go I mean, crazy. Saying that, it wasn't a lot of cash. I think we got... Uh, i tell you what was a big shock to us. We used to get three grand clothing budget per season and a stylist. Each. Each, nice. yeah. And that was really good because... Because we were all doing skate stuff and we got sort of free clothes anyway. So an mm-hmm. extra three grand of clothes was kind of like... Gets you a few Burberry coats. Well, that's exactly what I was like, <laughs> right, I'm going to get things I wouldn't normally afford to buy. So yeah. I went, I want Fendi, I want Burberry, I want Ralph. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> that was what it was. I had some shocking Fendi shoes. I found them the other day, actually. They're so disgusting. They're like these little, uh, little buckle things. Oh, they're so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to ask you this, Dan. I've never asked anyone this question before. Can you just shit on demand? How did that happen all the time? Because it seemed like you were the king of the poo stunts, but it's always right there. I was abusing myself quite a bit. We were just drinking and stuff. It's a bad diet, a lot of toxins going in. I was drinking eating a lot of pizza and had a bit of a wheat intolerance and IBS. Oh, okay. So you just had diarrhea all the time. All the time, yeah, because we were just partying too much. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm not like that anymore. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did used to have bad bad guts. And so it would just fucking come out like yeah. that. There you go. And talking of pizzas, um, I don't want to remind you of that fateful, horrendous ordeal, but I think anyone listening to this has to know what it's like to consume a pizza covered in pubic hair. Because I don't think anyone else in that cast of characters would have done that stunt. And what I think you brought to the table is this willingness to go that one step further than the other guys and i think every character in that show had their own role and i think for me yours was very much about breaking taboos and yeah i was always into shocking people and that was kind of i thought oh wouldn't it be funny if someone did that but no one would ever do it so i thought well i'm gonna have to do it yeah so it was kind of yeah I li- and i liked playing with perceptions of what how you think people are so when i was at work i would i didn't have to wear a suit i just wore one because i could get away with a lot more stuff i could be cheekier because people were like you're wearing a suit you shouldn't have said that and i quite i quite like messing and like i dress like a chav but then i'm more of a punk really and people are like oh, i don't didn't think you'd be like that and i'm like all oh, right so it's like that kind of almost andy kaufman approach to just Fucking with people. Yeah, and just messing with yeah. the perception of what you think they're going to be like, and then really you're not like that at all. Or Does that come from your interest in comedy? And were there any people who inspired you in that way to be yeah, that way? Yeah, comedy, art. I mean, I went to art college. and interest... Is that what you did at uni, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did a contemporary media practice. Right. But, yeah, I was at art college before that, and yeah, I've always drawn and painted and sketches and stuff. And then I did photography and then I picked up a video camera and thought, oh, this is fun. And then started making skate videos when I was like 16, 17. 
It's amazing that for me, it all goes back to skateboarding. Like the amount of musicians that I speak to, obviously all of you guys, jackass guys, like there's just that culture at that time from sort of the 80s into the 90s was such a hub of expression and freedom and rebellion and, yeah, and it led on to so it's much, didn't punk, it? punk, music, hip-hop. Yeah, uh, bit of metal. Metal, yeah, and art, photography, and you get to do a bit of everything. And, you know, say you're... You, you're injured, for example, you fall over, break your leg, you're out of action, but you still want to be hanging out with your mates. So you pick up a video camera or a stills camera or you draw some skateboard graphics, whatever. It, and it's there's instantly a way for you to channel the, the same energy of the skateboarding into something else and be involved with that scene. And, yeah, I think skateboarding, you know, as, as long as you skateboard, I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> and I love that you all still skate as well. I mean... A lot of people stop once they get to a certain age, don't they? And what well, I they're love... not skateboarders. Well, I think I, I... that's like it's like being what they say about being in the Marines. You, if you're a skateboarder, you're never an ex skateboarder. You, yeah. you do it always. But you know, there's some people who do it because it's cool. Yeah. They're not skateboarders, and they won't. They're doing it because it's the latest yeah, on yeah. trend thing. But you, you're a skateboarder when you you can't stop thinking about it, and you have this little thing, and you flip your fingers on the, and it's constant. And you're looking down a street, and you always looking. looking. Where it's good to carve up. So like, I go on holiday with my missus now, and I'm like looking at the window, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" And I was like, "I'm just thinking I could ollie up that thing, grind that, and then pop down there." And then I said to her, "What do you look at when you're on holiday out the out the window?" She goes. Oh, I think that's a nice door there. It's some nice tiles. Yeah, there. yeah. Chicks love tiles, man. <laughs> I don't know what it is about tiles. They're just that aesthetically pleasing thing that my ex-girlfriend everywhere went. She put, oh, look at those tiles. I like them in my bathroom. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, let me ask you this. So for me, when I watched season one and having spoke to Pritchard and Dayton, they didn't take naturally to being on camera. It seems like at the start they're a bit awkward, a bit shy. You, on the other hand, seem to take to it like a pig in shit. Well, I'd really already love... done Vanessa, see? Done, yeah. So I did, I did Vanessa. I did that first. And then like, I was like, oh, right, I want a bit of this. So, so then... you liked it, did you? you oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. So there was... And then what did I do after that? I did this other show called... Uh... What was it? Get Your Kit Off. No, right. no, it wasn't that first. It was Dishes first. So there was, Dishes? There was this other show. Called... It was on Channel 4, I think, called Dishes. And you have to... It was a bit like Blind Date. But you had to cook them a meal. So there was one woman on a, on one side and three blokes on the other cooking. And you had to put your meal through a hatch. She ate all your dishes. And the one she liked the most, she went out on a date with. Right. Yes. So you're trying to woo them with your culinary with your food. skills. Yeah, yeah. Got it. So I ended up cooking crepe Suzette. And uh, I didn't win that one. And I don't think she liked me. I kind of thought I was going to... It was I was gonna still be Euro smoothie off the Vanessa and I thought it was gonna carry through to dishes, but it yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that I did another <laughs> show called uh, Get Your Kit Off and it was uh it was really low budget. It was uh Tess Daly was the presenter of it and we were running around Soho and she'd give us little challenges to do and Involving nudity or There was nudity yeah. involved with every challenge, yeah. Right, if you right. didn't if you didn't uh come up to this challenge you had to take an item of clothing off and it ended up with me running around in a gold lame thong yeah it was I, see if you can find the clip and put it in the show <laughs> notes but i've never seen it anywhere <laughs> and so you were kind of just in your element with the camera rolling with an audience there 
Yeah, I kind of, I think I wanted, I wanted a TV show or wanted to do something along those lines. So when Dayton said, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, well up for that. Yeah. And what's your favourite memories of making season one? Does anything spring to mind? There was an element of copying what Jackass had done. Like we looked at some of their stunts and like, you know, they used to surprise a lot of people in the public. So we tried some of that and we used to hire a, we went into a cash and carry and jumped out on people and stuff. But it turns out that it was, that was a jackass thing and it didn't really work. Yeah. It took a lot of time, but you'd spend a day or two and only get like one or two a laughs. A second or two. Yeah, yeah. Footage, we were, yeah. We're wasting our time doing this. There's it's only like one moment like that in the entire season, isn't it? And Camden yeah. with Dayton out of the box. And that's yeah, but it took, it. we all did it, but right. it took ages to film and our reactions weren't as good. And it just turns out that that was one little bit. Yeah. But so we just, in, in the end, so was we the decided, process of you trying to figure out what the show's going to be? Well, it took us about you... six months to record the first one because we were doing stuff and we are like, no, it doesn't really work. We'll do this. And what we worked out was the best stuff was the simple stuff with like going into B&Q. And like, there was a bit when we got these uh, camera cases and put Alka-Seltzer in them yeah, yeah. and some so water and up. just popped them in our eyes. And like, it was such a simple thing. <laughs> it's like what kids do at school. Yeah, yeah, it? but yeah. it was really funny. And like the elastic bands and pulling them on our head and stuff. And we were like, yeah, let's just do little silly things like this. It's way more funny. And it's kind of British. It yeah, was... it had that raw DIY, kind of almost ghetto punk rock yeah. feel to it, didn't it? And what I loved, and were you conscious of it as a as a collective that... It was the relationship between all of you as individuals was where the real magic was. Yeah, and it took us a while to, from to work that out because, you know, we were doing stuff with the members of the public and we were like, it's not about them, it's about just us four. So in the end, we just ditched all those ideas. But the, the first series, we had a female director. Yeah, Becky, so, right? Yeah, yeah, so she kind of had a female take on stuff. And then the second series, we had Jim Hickey. And then we realised, you know, it's got to be blokes, really. We can't... I mean, there was... I don't know if you've uh, heard about the wheel, the Ring of Fire. No, I don't think so. That? No. So there was, Do you tell? There was this thing. We were in uh, about, no, where were we? Team snowboarding. Went on this snowboard trip. And Becky Staniforth, that was her name. She said, right, I want you to climb to the top of this mountain <laughs> at like 10 o'clock, pitch black, no lights. And I've got this bit of wire this little hoop with a really shit bit of material on it. And we're going to make this hoop and I want you to snowboard under it, this ring of fire. And we were like, no, it's going to be shit. It's not going to work. And she's like, oh, come on, come on. You know what TV people are like? Yeah, go on, just do it. You know, it'd be really good. You know, we're like, oh my God. So we begrudgingly, we all did it knowing that it's going to be shit. And then uh, we, it was so cold as well. And then we were trying to light this hoop couldn't get it lit and eventually a tiny couple of flames and then she's like right who's ready to snowboard under it we're like what do you think we are fucking performing monkeys <laughs> it's not fucking good but it's, we're not going to do it in the end I think one of us did it they're like no nah, this is shit and we're like so ever since then if we had an idea was shit we called it ring of fire <laughs> right, right yeah right, yeah right, and right. like so they'd suggest things and we're like no nah, that's a ring of fire <laughs> <laughs> and assumedly a lot of the stuff you did would just happen in the moment like unplanned as the cameras are rolling yeah, the you're just be- getting the best things were were stuff like uh i'm just trying to think a lot of the stuff with pancho was obviously yeah so what we'd do that they at the end of the night a lot of the crew would go right i've done my 
eight hours, I'm going to bed. So we'd be like, right. Well, they, they weren't living in that house with you, were they, the crew? Uh, I can't. No, I think they stayed in the hotel, right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if they were in there. I was like, oh. so, That's a tough gig. So they, they would leave us, and they'd leave us the camera gear, and we just ended up shooting a lot of that stuff ourselves. Like there's some stuff in the first series, I think, where Punch uh, goes, "Oh, I just want five bottles of X, twenty, twenty, twenty bottles of X." <laughs> and yeah, that was just us in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, room service, get me fucking room service. But they were some of the best bits. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Stellar Enema, where does that come from? Who comes up with that idea? And we were always tell me about the first so attempt. Because it kind series, of worked right out the gate, right? Yeah, each series we always tried to take it a little bit further and do uh-huh. one more than we'd done the series before. So I don't even know how we come up with it. I think Pritch said, oh, we could have... Oh, enemas were quite a big thing in the press around that time for health benefits and coffee enemas <laughs> and stuff. And I think there was a lot of stuff about, you know, the health benefits. So we were like, right, well, why don't we just do one with beer then? And at first, uh, I drank it. And that was fucking gross. But Again, I don't know whether anyone in that group would have done that. No, but... I obviously wanted... Because their reactions just to you doing it was yeah. like, Whoa. Well, it, it, I had to do something really shocking. And then I got really sick. So we were doing that on tour every night. You were drinking it every night? I was night. drinking it every night, yeah. And I ended up really ill. And I had some throat infection. And then our tour manager goes, oh, we're going to have to ring the rock and roll doctor. And he has this bloke that comes out, this private one, and he come on there and he was like, oh, yeah, you've got some sort of throat infection. I have to give you these, uh, what's it called, antibiotics. And he was like, how did you get this? I said, well, we're doing this thing on stage where we put this hose up my friend's bum and we fill it with beer and then I drink it. And he says, do you know how much bacteria there is in the the anal passage? (laughs) He said, 
there's no way those bacteria should be going anywhere near your mouth. <laughs> and I said to him, well, I've got this show we're doing. We're on tour. We need something visual that's going to shock people. And I said, what if I put some goggles on, covered my mouth, and then he sprayed it into my face? And the doctor was like, that'd be way better for you. <laughs> so I said, all right, well, that's what we'll do instead. And it was it actually worked much better. It because, looks much more impressive, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? And like, this, the act of putting the goggles on and it's, you know, are you ready for it? Yeah. It's like the anticipation as well, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. So, so that's how that evolved. I wish we'd thought of that before, yeah. <laughs> what was the look on his face like when you told him you were basically drinking shitty beer every night? I... Was he phased as a rock and roll doctor? I don't know. I guess he's seen it all before, but yeah. he, I don't think he could believe that someone would drink <laughs> shit. But, you know. <laughs> Willingly, knowingly. Um, tell me about Begbie. What's some of your favourite Begbie memories? Uh, he was a weird one, really. Like He was... I don't know where we realised there was something... Oh, that was when we realised, when he turned up with some uh, digital scales in his bag. And this, for anyone listening who doesn't know, is the Dirty Sanchez health and safety officer for season one. Yeah, and digital scales are something that only someone who's seriously into dealing drugs uh, owns. <laughs> or unless you uh, fly model aircraft, you have to weigh every nut and bolt, which I've since got into and uh, seen them around friends' houses. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, are you a dealer or a plane enthusiast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to be one of the two. Ain't no middle ground. And it was clear that he was that, and he was just bringing down from Glasgow, was it he was from? Glasgow to Cardiff, just shitting down. I don't down. know where he was from or who found him, but he was a right head case. <laughs> like, when we were filming stuff, he would want to do them as well. And we were looking through the rushes, or the editors, and it's like... This guy is in all your clips. You know, it's not a good look. So he had to go, unfortunately. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, season three, when you go back on tour, well, sort of, I guess, a return to season one almost, isn't it? And instead of a house, you're in a bus. And it's that kind of, did it come like, did it feel like it had come full circle for season three, sort of taking well, it back yeah, to I, basics I, in a we, way? We kind of always thought, you know, it would be good to do this live on the road. So to have a tour bus, a tour manager and a show, it was really, it was like, yeah, you know, we, we, we were going somewhere here with this, you know, we're going to be taken a bit more seriously, a, we're, you know, a cabaret act. Yeah, performing artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was good. And we needed to do that, really, because we were just a bit punk rock before that, and it didn't really have a direction, I guess. And more longevity. We, yeah, 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 yeah. And once we were doing it on the stage, it was kind of, like, oh, cool, these are the stunts that work, and... We can do these every night and they're not going to hurt too much. And then it means we can, yeah, we, we had a agent at the time and we arranged a tour after that. And Was that a happy time in your life? I mean, where, when for you during the TV shows before we get to the movie, was there a pocket of like peak enjoyment for you where you're like, I'm really in a sweet spot here. Nothing could be any better. Like what for you was the happiest window or was it all... Golden. It was yeah. I mean, it was it was just a bit of uh, a whirlwind, really, because we were just taking so many drugs and like just going from one town to the other, and not I didn't have uh, any responsibilities or anything. Didn't really give a shit, and it was just like, but I I don't really see that as me. It was just kind of like just something that happened, and so did the character consume you almost, and did you lose yourself? No, in I mean yeah. I mean I was I'm quite interested in 
exploring the mind and seeing how far you can push things and staying awake for as long as possible and pushing boundaries. So I was kind of, I just see it as a bit of an art experiment as we went on and that's what it was and that, you know, that's it and do something different. <laughs> do you struggle, Dan, with people who have a certain perception of you as this crazy guy that does all this mad shit and obviously that as you say isn't you and it's you're not doing that day to day and it's been a long time since you did anything like that but obviously people as they are will see you on sanchez from 15 years ago go, oh that dan joyce he's a lunatic are you still doing this does that ever get tiring or does that ever no because no? i don't i don't mean really, it doesn't really happen yeah i've sort of chosen to you know make myself a bit more invisible than that really and not indulge in any of that you know i'm not dressing like I was back then or I'm not behaving like that and not into any of that. So it doesn't really bother me. So it doesn't happen. You don't get people. No, I get recognized maybe once every six months. Nice. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) That's really good. You can just float around and be happy and at peace. Yeah. Love it. Well, let's take, let's get into the movie. I didn't really chat too much to Pritchard and Dayton about the movie. Um, For me, I just think as like a, as a statement, especially even in terms of the editing, the sound fucking editing, like it's such a well-made piece of art beyond just the stunts that you're doing. Like I loved the whole execution of it. And you obviously had to take it to a higher level, didn't you, to warrant doing a feature film. And I feel like from a technical point of view, as well as the stunt side of things, you did kind of crank it up a notch. Were you all involved? Uh, not really. The sort of I mean, there was, and sound and- what was it, Vertigo Films? They kind of, took control of all that stuff. I mean, it was still shot the same way we shot it. There wasn't, you know, there was a sound guy, which we never had before. So that was the only difference. There was one extra crew, Pete Kowaji, I think his name is. Oh, he was a top egg, he was. As soon as he turned up, we were talking about uh, Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this story's come up at all. And then there's this legend that Stevie Nicks used to have cocaine blown up her ass. And we always used to talk about it. And then Pete the sound guy, he turned up and was like, oh, Stevie Nicks, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. I've always fancied doing that. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've fancied doing it as well. So we were like, okay, at the rap party, we'll all get one. Because we used to have this rule that we wouldn't do any drugs while we were shooting because you could tell, like when the first series, we didn't really know what we were doing. And then it, if you were wasted, it, you could tell and it just looked shit. If you'd done drugs, that... You could tell, and we didn't want that because it looked shit. So we never did any when we were filming, and we wouldn't drink. I mean, obviously, in the evening, we would drink when we'd done all the filming, but then there was some footage of us drunk. Yeah, yeah. but we weren't filming when we, we weren't drinking when we were filming. So when we got to the end of the the rap party, we were like, right, we're going to buy some gear, get the line producer to buy it, because that's what they do. And he... Uh... <laughs> that's your role, that yeah, is, yeah. That's why you're called the line yeah, producer. That, Get the lines that out. Was, that's exactly what he did. And <laughs> he, he sorted it out. And then uh, we all got one each. This was in the Dominican Republic. And then we decided whose room we were going to do it. Get on all fours. We got the straws. We cut them. We put the, the gear in the straw, poked, poked it up, and then blew it up. And it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and was the hit different? Was it a notable no, different No, no, it's more it's just, just the hilarity of the act. Yeah, yeah, the fact <laughs> you've just blown coke up your bum is just fucking ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that... I mean, we were after doing that, we then 
just did it normally for our noses. We didn't go back to doing it up the arse. It didn't become a regular No, thing. no, no. Eroding but, your arse no, all I, I say that. I mean, there was times, you know, at parties where people were like, oh, I've heard you guys have done this. Are you up for it again? And we were like, yeah, right. <laughs> and we'd get other people into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spreading the gospel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's talk about the paintball challenge. Um, I didn't want to talk to this about Pritch because I think he still finds it too crippling. And I think Dayton harbours a certain guilt over it still. So as a more objective party, I think with the world record story, if you could put us in the picture of what well, happened there, the, the, that would be great. The naked paintball thing. That no, was, the, the movie paintball. No, but the naked paintball was one of the first stunts we did in the first series. And we always judged pain by that one thing. Because it was the worst. Yeah, so whenever we'd do a stunt, like someone like hit by a cricket ball, one of us would be scrawled over and we'd go, what's, what's the pain like? What's the pain like? It's not as bad as naked paintball. And we'd go, all right. So or that go, the yardstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd go, it's worse than naked paintball. And that was what we always said. So when we did the film, we was like, right, we need to sort of pay some sort of homage to the naked paintball. So we were like, right, let's get the world record for this. And that was what we always had the pain by. And I said, to, I saw Pritch the other day. I said, well, maybe you should actually get the official world record now. And he said, oh, no, I've been online. There's people who do it for like four or 500. He's like, I'm not doing that anymore. And you obviously go into the bathroom and there's that moment in the fucking scene where he sort of exposes the damage. And you can see all your faces are like like genuine horror. Yeah, I mean, it was that. Brutal. And then the fact that he was so pleased about it and like ringing his granddad and his mum. the big book, yeah, baby. Yeah. And we were like, this is really bad. I still feel bad about it now. And then the moment when... But he's in the Guinness Book of Records now, though. Well, he's he not is. actually in the book, I found out. He's not in the no, book. No, I said to him the other day, I said, well, you're in there is it now. for the Iron Man stuff? Yeah, yeah I yeah, said, yeah. you're in there now. He said, oh, no, we... it's unofficial. And I said, what do you mean? He said, to have an official one, to be in the book, you have to pay this bloke to come with you. It's to, like... like ex- adjudicate. Or yeah, yeah, and you yeah. have to pay him like 300 quid a day or something. He said it would have cost him a bloody fortune. Because it's 30 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, God, she's not really even in the book. <laughs> but I would, I, in fact, people will say, oh, you know, you should get, do another season or whatever. In fact, it would be good to get as many world records for Pritch. Right. And we've got That's to a fucking great help idea. him do it and make them all official. That's a fucking, and, and you're helping and him. And we're helping change. him do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you're taking a whole spin <laughs> yeah, on it. Dude, yeah. I love it. That's a great idea. We'll reach That's out to great. the Guinness Book of Records and see if they're up for doing it. We could do it as part of their uh, online content. So how do you feel about it all now, looking back, talking about it today? I mean, does, is it something you ever really sort of look back on and think about? Do you get sort of flashbacks? Really, or, no. <laughs> no, no does it I just seem see like it as something I ago? used to do. Yeah, it's like an old thing I did and it was, it was a... Well, 15 years ago, and that's what it was. But it's like, you know, it was part of... There was skateboarding. That was a big part of my life. Yeah. And then there was that, which is a part of my life, and now I'm doing something totally different. What did you do immediately after... I mean, what what's your side of how Sanchez came to an end? Uh, I think it was greed, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think uh, Pritch and Dane got greedy. I think they didn't want to cut it four ways. After the movie, is this? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, going on tour, they didn't want to split the... I mean, the, the crowds were becoming less and less, so, you know, splitting it four ways isn't always good. There was a riff with an agent. He was trying to make it about Pritch uh, and Punch. Didn't Dank didn't like that, I don't think. Because they obviously went on to do the pain men. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think he 
you know, realise that he's going to have to keep it about them two to stay in the loop. So me and Pants weren't really part of it. Did you have a conversation? How did it no, go down? No, they just started booking gigs on their own. So what does that tell you? <laughs> and then what happens after that? Do you stay in contact at all? I think we did a few little bits here and there, but then we did Australia together. And that was, I think it was the last time we worked. Oh, no, we did the Nike advert. And then that was the last time we worked together, I think. And did you know when you were making the advert it would be the last time in your head? Were you, had you tapped out? Well, I think you sign a deal with Nike, you're pretty much signing anything away, aren't you? It's, yeah, it's like signing a deal with the devil. As a, as like a credible... <laughs> Well, I think you, you know, you, it's kind thing. of, yeah, it's over then, isn't it? You, you've gone, you've sold out, you've gone corporate. Is that the way you look at it? It's, we did a deal with Nike and they paid us for, and then we never worked again since, so. When do you reach out and get in touch with each other again? When do the bridges start to, and would you say they're rebuilding or rebuilt or would you like them to be? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a filmmaker now so i like making content uh i've been working for lad bible recently and made them some content are you going to do that idea that you were talking about I, in stoke i wouldn't mind oh yeah pancho needs to he doesn't drive he never has done pritch didn't used to he's got his driving license panch needs to learn how to drive i think it would make some great content watching him learn how to drive and then Getting his first car, maybe entering a race in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> so good. That's gold. That's gold. Uh, yeah. So I'm into making content and whether it's with my friends or not, or, you know, I think we could definitely do something together. Uh, Daint shoots as well. So we could potentially make something together. But it's the whole environment's changed. You know, there was when we were doing that. You would get paid a set amount for a series. You would get DVD sales as well. It's not like that anymore. There is no, it's branded content now. So we'd need to work with a brand. So if Fireball wanted to work with us or if uh, Gibson wanted to work yeah, with any, us. Yeah, any other brands out there? <laughs> we've got the cast of characters. We've got the tools. Yeah, I'm shooting some stuff for Lad Bible. I did a thing recently with them. I pimped my wife's car which was quite amusing. She uh, didn't know what I was doing. I, she said, I said, I've just got to take it to the garage and get a bit of work done on it, uh, past the MOT. Uh-huh. And uh, I got it lowered. I had some racing tyres, some alloys put on it. I got some strobe lights, some undercar neons. I got nitrous oxide fitted. And uh, <laughs> 2,400 2, watt uh, sub Fuck yeah, that's amazing. And what was her reaction? Oh, and I got I got her her face on the front of it and down the sides (laughs) on the on the bonnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a nappy cup sixty nine. It said on the door. It said nappy cup sixty nine would have saved us a fortune. (laughs) So obviously that sense of humour, that prankster in you, is still in there, and you still get a kick out of that kind of stuff. Well, that was the first time I'd done anything like that. Was it? Yeah, in a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it was. But did it feel good, Dan? It was good. Yeah, yeah I like. Tickle you in the right I places. I like paying a prank on my wife. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it was good. Yeah. Kind of good humoured, good natured. I think that the days of kind of shocking, controversial 
you know, or nudity based stuff and yeah. sort of, you know, the sick and the, the, the shit and all of that. I mean, that those days are over, aren't they? That's yeah, all. but it's, the thing is, you got to remember, we were doing that before there was YouTube. YouTube, yeah. So we were doing it on TV and it was, that was the, that was the thing. Like, let's do this shocking thing and put it on television yeah. and shock everyone. Yeah. And then the rules changed after that. You know, it all went online and you could see someone's head, having their head chopped off and that was shocking. So it was not about shocking, you know, wouldn't, if we did it again, it would be about making people laugh and probably involving our families. Like if you watch the videos Pritch makes with his mum and dad, but they're, vi- they're larger yeah, than life, aren't that they? is so funny. And I think you could definitely do something with them. Uh, yeah, and doing stuff with our family. Dayton's daughter, Indy, she's Brilliant. doing pranks on him now. Yeah, yeah. Which is really funny. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you planned it right. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Um, you just said a moment ago about a head shop scene on YouTube that people can obviously view. What happened to you recently? Where were you? Yeah, so I was... The, uh, I was shot a feature film in Goa. This so uh, I was shooting some a friend's wedding, and I met this guy Charlie Belleville, who was working on the Sanchez movie. He was working for Vertigo, who made the film. And I sort of bumped into him. He said, "Oh, what are you doing now?" So I'm shooting videos, and he saw I had a Black Magic Cinema camera at the time, and got talking to him, and I was. I, this one of the first drones as well when they first come out. And I said, yeah, I'll fly a drone. And he said, oh, brilliant. I'm uh, making a movie called Jet Trash, uh, filming out in Goa with, uh, who was in it? What's her name? Rob Sheehan. Uh, he was in Misfits. And uh, Sophia Butella. She's since been in, oh, she's been in everything. Kingsman. Uh, what else was she in? Oh, she's, in pretty low. she's like a superstar now. And uh, Ozzy Ikeli, he's uh, he was in it as well. And Jasper Parkinen, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but he's in Vikings. So we shot this, it was a few years ago now, out in Goa, and they'd given me these malaria tablets, and they sent me fucking nuts. I couldn't sleep for about four or five days, and we'd been filming at this Goa Trance Club the night before, and then I don't know if you've experienced Goa Trance on malaria tablets, but, <laughs> no. but it sends you into a bit of a dark place. And uh, we've gone full circle back to the club in Leeds, but even worse, we're just different. different. Yeah, so I hadn't slept, and someone did have his head chopped off in the nightclub that night we were filming after we'd left, and then I, I hadn't slept. So I'm there in the morning, a bit sort of begbied out and thinking, oh, I'm going to have my head cut off next. So when we were filming, I, uh, I, I was sure that that's why I was there, was to have this, uh, my head being chopped off on video and they were setting me up for it. And I thought some of the security were going to do it. So as I started showing that I was going a bit nuts, what do they do? They get the security in to try and take me off the set. And I was like, well, these are the guys that are going to do it now. So they were like, right, let's take him to hospital. They took me to this ropey old Indian hospital, like tin shack with like a table with all these cutting instruments on it. And I was like, oh, well, this is where it's going to happen, isn't it? They're going to put me on that table. And they're like, well, we just need to give you, to rehydrate you. We need to give you a drip. 
I was like, yeah, poison me. <laughs> so uh, they're trying to get this thing, and I was like superhuman strength. They said they couldn't pin me down. I was just refusing to let them do it. Because your survival instinct. Yeah. Down. And these were two like bodyguards, and they couldn't really get me down. So in the end, they were like, right, let's take him to a decent hospital. This does actually look a bit sketchy in here. So uh, they took me to this fancy one. So they tried to put this drip in my arm to rehydrate me. And uh, there was an air bubble in the in the drip. And I was like, that really will kill me. And the producer was like, yeah, yeah, it will. Don't bother doing that. Just take it out. So I ended up sleeping it off. And I was fine the next day. But, yeah, don't take malaria tablets. So I'm just having some water here. Go for it. And were you, in your mind, preparing for death? Did you actually come to that crossroads where you thought this might actually be yeah, the moment I, that I meet my maker? I was convinced that that was going to be the last day on the earth. And I was... I thought that's what was going to happen. And I actually kind of, I was ready to die that day. And I was like, you know, okay, this is it. If you don't want to, that's cool. But could we talk about what happened with your heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no worries, yeah. Do you want to set the scene and tell us sort of um So, yeah, I mean, very soon after that, I ended up, uh, in fact, this is what started it. I gave up smoking. And I gave up smoking on January the 1st. And then I... About a month later, I was trying to climb stairs when I was walking the dog. I started getting these pains in my chest and I couldn't climb the stairs. So my wife saw what was happening. She was like, this is really bad. We need to get get you seen to. And one day it happened and I couldn't climb up, get off the tube. She was like, right, I'm calling the ambulance. So they come around, took me in, had a few tests. And they said, yeah, you've got angina. So then they give me this spray to alleviate the pain. And I was taking that for about a month or so. And then one night I went out and I had uh, a night on the, what's it called, Jaeger bombs with Red Bull. And then that night I had a heart attack. And uh, I took the spray and it wasn't doing anything. So they took me into the hospital. And then they just left me by the side in the hospital. And I was like, no, you need to, I need to be seen now. I'm having a heart attack here. And they were like, all right, we'll just get the the main surgeon out. And he said, oh, he was a bit busy. He was on his 13th one. So he came out and uh, he had a look at me, put me up on the monitor and was like, yeah, yeah, you're having a heart attack. I'm just dealing with someone in there at the moment who's dying, but I'll uh, sort you out next. Fucking hell. And then he got me on the table and then stuck this thing up my arm and then put a, fitted a stent. And then when he was doing it, I heard him go, oh, and then afterwards, he said to me, oh, yeah, you, there was a blood clot on the main artery. He said, if I hadn't have got that, you would have been dead. He said, we call that one the Widowmaker. We just sucked it out just in time. Fucking hell. Yeah. And what does the effect of something like that have on your long-term life? Do you find a new profound appreciation well, like, of life? I had a baby soon. So my wife was pregnant while, when that was happening. This, well, yeah, yeah. So fuck. all I was thinking is I want to meet my child and I don't want to die. That was all I wanted to do. So, yeah, as soon as that happened, it was, you know, changed lifestyle totally. I mean, I'd already given up smoking, but didn't drink, didn't went vegetarian, really. Jaeger bombs are out the window. Red Bull. Red Bull. Well, energy drinks are out the window, yeah. Full oh, stuff. hence the... Hence, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> It all makes sense now. Yeah. Fuck, man. Well, here's the good health. Yeah, cheers. cheers. <laughs> and fatherhood. Yeah. Is that treating you well? Is that oh, I love it. It's a beautiful, brilliant. positive I impact on your highly life? Highly recommend it to everyone. It's really good. Your daughter's Margot, right? Margot, yeah. Love it. And she's what, three, are you saying? She'd be coming up three, yeah. 
two and a half years at the moment. But yeah, I I think it's brilliant. Like the minute they're born, you just this overwhelming the most amount of love you've ever felt for you and for them just goes and yeah, you can can't really compare that with anything else. Yeah. I guess it's the sole purpose, well, the main purpose, why we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> procreate and yeah. nurture and love and yeah. be parents. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but we'll see. Um, that is a lovely note to end on, Dan, and it's exactly the hour mark, so I feel like we should wrap things up. Um, thanks for coming on, dude. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the uh, uh, Oxford Union debate. Oh, go on, yes. hit me up. So, Should we talk as well? Or is it too early about the Vans thing you were chatting about, or should we leave that for now? We'll leave that, I reckon, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the Oxford's, yeah, so they were, when we were doing it, the highlight of it was... Uh, How were you invited there, first of all, to set the scene? The four of the guys go to the, speak at the Great Hall at Oxford University. Yeah, so this was through <laughs> our agent. So we'd done, the, I think this was before, was it before the Nike shoot or afterwards? I can't even remember. It was around about the same time. Just, this is right toward the end. Yeah, and this was one of the last things we did. And we were invited to the Oxford Union annual debate. And I don't know whether people know about it, but, you know, there's been some pretty legendary people there. Mother Teresa was there. and Yeah, we're talking Nobel Peace Prize winners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, and we were invited. So we kind of thought it was a bit of a joke, really. And we were like, this is fucking nuts that we're here. So, uh, I recently found the footage of it because I've. I, this is when I started record making videos. I bought a video camera and started shooting stuff, and because I could see the end of Dirty Sanchez was coming, yeah, it was coming to an end, and I was going to need to do what I loved doing, which was making videos. So, uh, bought a camera and started shooting stuff, and I re- only just found the tape the other day, and I've digitized it and put it up on YouTube. So. Give it a look. And people can follow you. Is it Dan Buck Joyce or Joyce Division? What's your YouTube page? I don't even know what my YouTube handle is, yeah. I can share it on mine. And yeah, you're on Instagram notes. and Twitter, aren't you? Yeah. That's Dan Buck Joyce, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Joyce Division, is it joycedivision.com? Joycedivision.com is my com. website. Or yeah. your video branded content? Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I hope to do another one of these sometime. I hope that Vans thing does come off because I think it's a great idea. And we should definitely do something around that if it does. And um, yeah. Nice one, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Let's do it. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.